Nope, but we're live now. So we are live now. So it is Maria Daniels here with Successfully Chaotic, and this is Business Acceleration Playbook. My co-host, Coach Ray, speaks, and um, obviously it's Coach Ray, and it's Angela with Creatively Efficient, and then we are missing Jeff Dewaskin with uh, hashtag Stampede. He was unable to be here today, but we do have special guest Ben Steinbacher. So he's in the house ready to uh, teach all of you entrepreneurs and business owners all the things that you need to know. So uh, Ben, I'm going to go ahead and let you do your intros in just a minute, but I'm going to have Coach Ray, because he wasn't here last week. I want you to go ahead and introduce yourself and kind of give kind of a little bit about you. And then Angela, I'll let you say hi so you don't feel left out. And then um, Ben, you can <laughs> you can introduce yourself. Okay, great. Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Ray Baxter. I, I run a podcast called Coach Ray Speaks. And uh, my podcast is really about small businesses and the survival of small businesses in in particularly today's space with COVID. Uh, I'm a national speaker. I'm a trainer. And I'm actually very glad Maria asked me to, to join. And by the way, if you didn't catch last week's um, uh, podcast, you need to. It was, it was a good show. I'm sorry I missed it. Um, I'm going through some back pain. That's why I'm stiff right now. And you only see my arms moving and nothing else. But uh, other than that, uh, last week was a good show. Hopefully we'll have a good show today. Absolutely. We'll have we, did, we did practice the fist bumps before we got in here. We didn't perfect it, but we did practice it. <laughs> Doing the cross cream fist bumps. There we go. There we go. There we go. Some work to go, but it's, it's, it'll get there by, you know, a few weeks out and we'll have it down pat, I feel. So, all right, Ben, I want you to go ahead and introduce yourself. And um, for the people that didn't catch you on my show before and may not know who you are, just kind of lay the foundation of who's Ben and what you do. And then you can really just jump in and start to just teach all the things you know. Perfect. Thank you. All the, things. All um, the things. Hey, I'm, I'm Ben Steinbacher. I'm a life coach. Uh, the biggest thing that I do is I help men to find that thing, whatever that thing is that makes them special, unique, authentic, different, that allows them to live a life of purpose. I uncover all the things that are in the way, all the beliefs, the shoulds, the things they've been told they're supposed to be. But really, I help men tap into that thing that helps them become uh, that level of entrepreneur, father, leader, business owner that really is making a difference and is remembered and stands out in their industry rather than it's just kind of so-so and trying to be the things that they think people want them to be. And I also do the same with coaches because if you were to look at a coach right now, there are 6,000 niches and types of coaches and all those things. And unless you tap into that one thing that makes you different, you unique, you special, nobody cares. Even like I see so many coaches put out, I'm this and this certified, I'm NLP certified. And essentially all you're putting out is that I'm now in a bucket with 10, 15, 20,000 other people. And it's not until you find your signature thing, your proprietary process that you really stand out as a coach. And I would say the same is true in business. If all you sell is the same thing everyone else is selling, there's nothing special. There's nothing memorable. And so memorable and um, emotional is what really stands out in business. And I'll get into it. And it's what are the, what I'm going to talk about today is what are some of the emotional hacks, some of the social emotional hacks, some of the things we overlook as business owners, entrepreneurs, CEOs, those things that really help us break through to the next level. 
And because I started talking about emotions first, I'm just going to stick on that. So if you think of the, the beer Budweiser, what are some of the animals that they've used in their commercials? They've used Clydesdales. They've used Dalmatians. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, yes. so it, and, it signifies power, right? It signifies strength. Yes, yes, it does. And there's also, um, they even show with those Clydesdales them interacting with puppies. And, I think and what does great. that have to do with beer? What does that have to do with beer? It has nothing to do with beer, but it has so much to do with marketing. It has to do with trust. It has to do with emotions because we are emotional beings. We buy with emotions and we justify with logic. So one of the biggest things that you can start doing as a business owner to really start capitalizing is instead of just putting out a product or selling a product, realize that essentially you are selling an emotion. If you can't make someone feel an emotion, then they are likely not going to buy from you. And, and even with an emotion, you can kind of tweak that a little bit. Um, like Corona, they sell people on a beach. There's an emotion there, but there's also a certain quality of life or certain um, type of life that you will feel, something you will get if you drink Corona. You will be this beachy, on-vacation type person who's, who's living that life. And this is one of the biggest mistakes that I see people make when they're starting off is they, they try and sell the product rather than what the product is going to do for the person. And ben, so, I got a question for you. Go I got an immediate please. question for you. So as a guy, as the only guy on the panel besides yourself, um, and then listening to you, so if I have a business, do I have to be an alpha male to succeed? Do I have to have that power connection to really get out there and, you know, and, and do it? Or what if I'm the kind of guy that, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of an introvert. You know, I'm not that social, I'm kind of socially inept. I, I don't know how to do those things. What do you say? You do, you don't know how to do what things? I don't know how to I don't know how to interact with people. I don't know how to mm -hmm. how to project myself. You know, so mm -hmm. I, I've got a great product, but it's sitting here in my living room. How do I get it out there? What do I do? Ray's making yeah. fun of us engineers who are introverts. <laughs> Back down here. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. I've got my my introvert side of myself in my closet. Now it feels safe to come out and join. Um, you don't have to do that. Like if you notice Coca-Cola, what did they start doing? What did they start putting on cans? They started putting Name. people's names on names. cans. So people would buy a can and they would advertise or market it for themselves. You don't have to put yourself out there, but you have to create something that people want to be a part of. The long so even if it's introverts, you can just create something around being introverted. We're the introverted people who barely get online, but when we do, hi, like whatever you want, um, you, you can create, but it's it's creating some sense of meaning or tribe, or even you can barely show up, but when you barely show up, you say something about us as introverts are here to we're worth listening to, even if we only show up once a week. You're now like taking a stand. I'll go for it. Ben, I, I really like your your perspective because when I, so I don't drink a lot of soda. It's just not in my general diet plan. But yeah. when they started putting names on those Cokes, 
I bought the Coke to give to someone else. Hey, there's Jerry. I'm going to buy that for Jerry because it's got his name on it, right? Or who, whomever, if I saw a name, yes, it was a complete impulse buy, mm -hmm. but I'm comfortable in gifting what I may not be comfortable in consuming because it's a thoughtful thing, right? So that giving yeah. part of it yeah. reaches out to me in a manner that it wouldn't reach out to me individually to purchase for myself. Yeah, it's an never thought about emotion. it. Yes, because the emotion, much like he said, you felt that emotion of the giving to want to give to your friend, Jerry. Mm -hmm. And um, Coach Ray, I might even offer that you're in a better situation than someone like me who has to make myself shut up. Like <laughs> someone who is introverted, it's so easy for you to make your client the hero rather than you to come across as a hero. And if in any way you are trying to make yourself the hero or you're trying to be the one that stands out, you've already lost. Right. Marketing right. has nothing to do. And, and the thing is, is like I used to work in the nonprofit world. And so money was already taken care of. You got grants, you got fundraisers. There was no, once I got in the business world, um, my coach, who's like a millionaire, owns multiple businesses. Well, I guess I have two. Um, he said something one day that really stood out to me is it's it's not the people with the best products that succeed. It's the people with the best products that people also know who they are. And so like, um, if you listen to like Tony Robbins, he's someone who's worth, I don't know, half a billion or something. One thing he talks about is there's really only two jobs in business. And one of them is marketing. And, um, any great movie, like let's let's look at Star Wars. Um, you are the Yoda in marketing. You like you as the the uh, the brand. You are the Yoda. If you try and make yourself the hero or the Luke Skywalker, you've already lost. Your client wants to be the hero. All the best movies, all the best stories, all the best brands. They make their client the hero. And so being introverted is is such a gift. And even if you look at um, Apple, they're worth, what are they worth? One trillion, two trillion? Their, their, um, their leader was introverted in his own way. He, he, he was better at um, selling to people that they got to be innovative. They got to be part of the cutting edge. They got to be special through using their product rather than making himself this great, amazing person. I think it's a great way to look at it. And honestly, I think most people that I talk to, even if they seem very extroverted, most of them have a lot of introverted side of them as well. I always yeah. tell, I always tell people that I'm an extroverted introvert because I'm actually very introverted and nobody would probably guess that about me. Um, but you know, when I need to be extroverted, I can be, but that's, I mean, my normal personality is actually very introverted. I stay to myself. I like my own time. And it's almost like I have to mentally prepare myself for being extroverted because it's very much expected in a lot of ways. So, you know, I, I think I agree with you on the fact that, you know, you don't always have to show up as a super, super extroverted personality. Um, and I think it's important to, 
you know, show all the sides of yourself. You know, I know whenever I share the struggles that I have, I mean, I have seven kids, one of them special needs. My days are like half the time. It doesn't matter how well laid out they are. You know, sometimes crap just happens because I have a large family and a special needs child. So instead of, you know, hiding that and pretending like I got, you know, all my, excuse my language, but my shit together all the time, you know, you know, nobody does all the time. So I, you know, for me, I found it very empowering to share that with other people. And it's actually caused a better connection with people because they get me where I'm at. You know, it's, it's, they, they see me as I am. And I think that's huge, especially when you were talking about emotional driven cells, because people do do business with who they knew, know, like, and trust. And, you know, they don't trust a logo. They don't trust, you know, this, this, super curated version of something because we all can tell if it's super curated. I mean, we're not stupid. So if, you know, you're showing up real and raw and authentic, you know, you're developing that no like, and trust relationship, which is so important anyway, but it's really important now that we are pretty well all virtual now, you know, especially with the whole COVID thing, you know, so many people are struggling to try to develop those relationships. And I love that, that you're speaking on this, Ben, because I think it can't be said enough. Yeah. One of the things that I've been writing about lately has been um, how to write with clarity and connection, right? What are the words that people are using and hearing and feeling and how can you employ them in your email to drive that connection, not only for clarity of message, right? Like we edit, I make mistakes, I re-edit, edit, edit have a friend read it when it's an important enough topic, but striving for that connection. How do you write it in a, in a warmth manner, especially as an engineer, um, that someone can receive it and not feel left out in the cold and still take action with it. I think even your everyday emails have value in order to develop it. And to your point, Maria, we're so virtual right now. Like the reason I even started putting that particular series together was because we're so virtual. How do we drive and find these connections? Um, I think it's challenging. I think words, words have power. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, I think I know I, I talked about the, the intention of this talk was more to be the social emotional pieces or hacks that are necessary to really do that. And I think Ray brought up a good point right away with the introversion. And it's something that um, has really helped me a lot is just that piece of humility and not trying to be the hero. Um, but also I would offer that piece of humility in acknowledging and understanding that um, I can be 10 times farther along than someone else. And if I get on a call with them and I just talk about what I know, it doesn't make them feel special. And these are like the need for significance, one of the greatest human needs. And if you can make your customer feel significant, um, they're likely going to work with you. Um, and I would say it's, it's also um, how can I learn? Because like it's easy for me sometimes. I, I'm no different that sometimes I disconnect from the person I was five years ago. And maybe that's the version of the customer that I'm selling to. And so when I can just 
get on a call with someone and just listen to their needs, listen to any any thoughts they have. Like um, something that I did when I was starting out and that I uh, still like to do is just hop on calls with my customers or even future potential customers. And I just want to listen to them. I want to hear where they're at in life. I want to hear what they need. I want to hear, um, let's say they have an idea and it's completely the opposite of what I've been thinking. And I think my way is right design and marketing, or I work with these coaches who are millionaires or whatever. If I don't shut up long enough just to listen to where they're at and, and, and say, okay, what about what they're saying is right? What about what they're saying has some truth to it? What, what am I missing? Um, and and that's the thing that I've really learned is like humility has probably helped me more than anything over the last six or eight months. And the more I show up with that humility and that willingness to listen, um, the more I get connected with the other main main piece of business. There's marketing and innovation. Those are the two things you need to focus on if you want to succeed in business. Um, hey, ben. How can I in- Mm-hmm. What are what are words? What are questions? Like what are leading for the person who's inexperienced, right? Who wants yeah. to hear, who wants to help somebody open up? What are yeah. the types of questions or words that we should be asking or or should be using? Yeah, thank you. That's a great question. And this goes to sometimes having done something for a while I overlook things like this. Like, okay, what's what's a question that might be beneficial? And I would say, I like to start with the pre-question, which is gratitude. And I just want to express gratitude for someone being willing to get on a call with me, to share their thoughts, share their heart, to open up, just for even following, supporting, um, like even the people that like my stuff, my contact put out, just send them stuff. Everyone's like, hey, thank you. Thank you for your support. I'm so grateful. So I'll start with gratitude. and And I found that people are more willing to open up and really be vulnerable. And um, um, then I, I share why they're important to me. Like, hey, you're important to me for these reasons. Like as someone who's part of my my uh, potential audience, like I'm here to serve you. Um, and then as far as questions goes, when it gets to questions, I like to ask, um, I like to ask like, hey, your feedback matters to me. Is there anything you've noticed that really lands or resonates? What type of content or things have I put out that have most spoken to you? What kinds of things am I missing? Like, what are some of the the problems or things in life that you're struggling with that that you're not seeing a solution to? What could I do that would make your life better or easier? What could I um, what could I really add to your life? And I think to go back to what you said. Um, there's something powerful about just listening and understanding their language and being able to speak their language back to them. And um, if they're, if they keep using the word overwhelmed, that's a word I'm going to use. And I'm going to really find out what overwhelmed means to them. I think that's great advice because you know, you're laying the foundation with the gratitude and then with you being able to connect with them by using the same words, as you said, you're yeah. creating that connection and that openness for them to be able to 
openly share. And I think that's super important in any type of relationship, including a business relationship, because I think so many business businesses think that everything is transactional. And that's always driven me crazy because I, I like I have the inability to make it just transactional because I get and I'm, and you all are the same way. You get invested. I'm invested in making sure that whoever I am working with is getting what they need. And so I love that you're asking these questions and asking for feedback and, you know, what can I do? Because I think sometimes we forget that, you know, not everybody sees things from our perspective, you know, and, you know, I use the phrase all the time that life is very perspective based and, and it is, and, you know, we see things from our perspective, from the way that we were raised, you know, the, our life experiences, the way that, you know, our business started from the very beginning. And so a lot of the things we end up sharing is very much based on that line, but we can start to forget much to your point, Ben, that, you know, what we were thinking about when we first started. And, you know, I think it's important to sit sometimes and think about, you know, what did I, what did I think about when I was first starting out? What were my struggles? What were my questions? And I had all the questions and I did all the things wrong. So, I mean, I have lots of stuff to pull from if I was to sit down and do that, which I'm sure most of us do, but, you know, to be able to utilize those to formulate real stepping stones to be able to get to people to where they need to be. And I, and I love that, you know, you're putting those into such bite-sized pieces for people. And can I just, um, I'm sorry, did I cut you off, Ray? Uh, no, no, go, go ahead. And I, I can ask afterwards. Go ahead. I, I just, I wanted to see if I could make sure that I understood and hit all the points that, um, that Ben said, I just wanted to write, I think you said open with gratitude and just say thank you for the, for your time. I kind of am guilty. I'm not very good at that. Um, and, and kind of establish that you're here to serve, right? So I think for me, I, I love servant leadership. I love talking about it, how we can, how we can lead with that servant heart. Um, and then seeking that feedback and finding those words that resonate with that person. So those, I felt like from your answer, those were your top three um, tidbits. Yeah. And even saying that I left one thing out, um, <clears throat> story sell people, people need stories. They don't care about facts. Yeah. And so um, going back to what I was saying, I think coach Ray, you asked, um, and just about being introverted and, and, and not trying to be the hero. Um, but rather being the guy, being the Mr. Miyagi, the Yoda, the, the whoever. Um, can people see themselves in you? Does your story relate to them? And so I would offer vulnerability is something that I use. Um, and even like as a men's coach, like if I'm reaching out to a man, like for instance, I'm in a, a Tony Robbins challenge right now. There's 100,000 plus people in there. People are posting about uh, depression, suicidal thoughts, get, going through a divorce, losing custody of their kids. Nobody cares if I can make their life better if I don't show up with some level of vulnerability and tell a story first about myself that maybe is a little vulnerable, that, that shows that I care and that connects. And so um, I always sprinkle in some vulnerability. Um, and even when I say it like that, it sounds weird. Um, I have realized, Brene Brown says, the outcome of vulnerability is trust and connection. 
And for me, I realized like that's the type of relationship that I'm looking for with my clients is I want to trust them. I want them to trust me. I want there to be a connection. And so I would say some level of vulnerability and, and telling my story and why I care. Like, why do I, why did I take the time to reach out to you? Why am I taking the time to reach out and uh, talk to someone who commented on my post? It's, and, and I'll be vulnerable and share, hey, this is my story. This is what I struggled with. This is why it's so important for me to help see coaches not struggle for three years, making $35,000 a year, ripping their hair out, feeling like an imposter, um, not knowing what to post. Um, doing all these things, having this gift on their heart, knowing that they can change the world, but they're struggling too much financially to do that. That's why I'm taking the time to reach out because I don't want you to have to do what I did. Ben, let me ask you this. I, I know mm -hmm. it's said that a lot of the, the quote-unquote better salespeople, quote-unquote, mm -hmm. anticipate what a customer or what someone wants or what's how someone is feeling in that conversation, whether, you, whether you're a customer service rep, whether you're a sales rep and you're selling a product, how would you do that in your conversations with people? How do you anticipate the need for uh, of what that customer wants and then in turn relate that to actually close that sale? Yeah, and this might make me terrible and I might lose everyone here when I say this, but I do that 0%. Um, and this is something that one of my coaches told me is, um, you lose a relationship when you start assuming that, you know, the other person, your sad will never be the same as my sad. Your, what it feels like for you to go through divorce will never be the same as what it feels like for me to, I've never been through divorce, but if I was, it wouldn't be the same. And so with people, I'm, I'm never trying to anticipate anything with them. I'm trying to go deeper into what they already say. And the point where I assume that I know their story, that's when I have to poke myself and say, no, no, go one level deeper. Why is this important to them? If they say this is their purpose, their dad passed it down to them, they want to be the first person in their family that wasn't an alcoholic. I'm like, perfect. I got this. That's why I'm like, no, 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 no. Why is it important to you to be the first person in your family who actually succeeds and steps into their purpose rather than be being an alcoholic? And then um, that's maybe when they'll share, well, um, whatever their real reason is. And so I'm, I like to offer, especially as a coach, but I think this is true anywhere. The best salespeople, they, they've mastered the art of asking powerful questions. I'm never trying to sell someone something. I'm trying to bring to life and to awareness what already exists inside of them and what's important. And if my product meets that need, awesome. And if it doesn't, I'm happy to send them to another person or place where that, that thing that's so deep inside of them that they really want, now that they know what it is, I'm like, okay, this is the place you can go and get that. Absolutely. Do you think there's different sales approaches based on different products? I mean, oh, yeah. like I feel like yeah. maybe what Ray was describing would be appropriate in car sales. Like you want to anticipate what they're needing, but what you're trying to talk about is very much empathetic, um, working with someone, like working on the internals, breaking down barriers and fear 
maybe we need different sales techniques for different products. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. And I, I appreciate you sharing that because I'm imagining if you're selling a cleaning product, you're not getting on a call with everyone, finding out their deepest cleaning needs and why that was important and why that was important and all that. Um, so I appreciate you pointing that out. Um, the thing that I would say to, to Ray's point is, um, I think you're absolutely right, Ray. The more that I think about it with a lot of sales, um, especially if it's not high ticket or individualized. Um, the thing that I, I wonder or that I've heard a lot is how much market research and how much digging companies do that way they can anticipate. Um, and even I know for myself, that's true is even like creating content where I've anticipated what a person's needs are. It's because I've reached out and had so many conversations before. And even um, I know like the biggest companies, they have their um, ideal client so niched down that they are one person with a name, with a family, with all these things. And they've, they've oftentimes done so much work to anticipate. And so I think, yeah, you brought up a really good point that I wasn't even thinking of. That's great. So as far as if, if you were speaking to somebody that, that is, that is in a business, just a small business mm -hmm. entrepreneur, what would be the first steps that you would tell them to be able to start to break down, you know, the barriers within themselves to feel comfortable enough to be vulnerable? Because I think for some people, that can be a struggle. It was for me at the very beginning. I came from corporate. In corporate, you wear a mask the entire time you're in corporate. You're just like this other person when you go to work and then you yeah. come home and you can be a real self, but you can't be, or you felt like you couldn't be. But, and so when I transitioned into my own business, I struggled with that. And you, you mentioned imposter syndrome. I had a bad, I had a bad because, you know, I mentioned I have seven kids, one on the spectrum. My life is insane. I named my podcast successfully chaotic for a reason, you know, and in, I felt like I was constantly having to just be more than one person and it was exhausting. And, but I thought in my mind at the time that if I put down my mask, even for a minute and showed that I was struggling and that nobody would want to work with me because it's like, well, okay, this chick can't even like keep her head above water in her own house half the time. How can she help me in my business? So I felt like I had to wear this mask for so long. So it wasn't until I just couldn't wear it anymore. I was exhausted. It was like, something's got to give. And it was that, that, that was the best thing that ever happened though. The, the fact that I got to the point that I was just, I'm done. I'm not, they're either going to work with me or they're not, but this is who I am type of thing. That was the best thing that ever happened with me. But, you know, it wasn't a cognitive decision for me. You know, it was more like, I just couldn't take it. So for people that yeah. don't want to get to that point and you don't, <laughs> that don't want to get to that point, what are some steps they could take right now to start to realize that they can kind of get into their own personality be vulnerable and it's not going to make or you know, make, everything implode mm -hmm. um a second ago i heard you say no like and trust and like um clients have to know like and trust us in order to want to work with us and i love that and i've heard it reframed as really it's have to know love and trust you um like is no longer enough like you can go on social media and everyone's there's so many things being sold. There's so many businesses, so many, such a variety of places um, that that love component is really, really big. Like, like, do they really deeply connect with you? So I think you bring up a good point, which is a, there has to be that awareness 
that um, this is what people want. Like if you're still thinking like corporate that people want you to be whatever mass individual, I'm imagining it's really hard to be vulnerable when it sounds like it's a detriment. So the first thing I would ask is how can we bring awareness to the power of vulnerability? And that's something that I think um, I try and do with men, but I, I still think there's so many stigmas that I see. And that's, that's a great question. Like if you have um, an answer, I'd love to hear it because I think um, almost all of my female clients have vulnerability figured out so much better than, than a lot of us men do. Um, so I think awareness. Yeah, that's something we don't want to admit. <laughs> what do you say? So we we don't men don't want to admit that. And I'll say it: women are very are are actually better equipped to handle a lot more of the business situations than men than men are. That's just true. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. I have an email address for you, Ray. Let me <laughs> let me uh, forward a couple of them for you. Yeah. And a, a funny thing I, I started to realize, have you ever read Multipliers by Liz Wiseman? It's a leadership yes. book. Um, one thing that I've become aware of is just how many female names there are in leadership, even though it's more challenging to get there, like just the way the system is set up. And it's um, emotionally, women are killing it right now in leadership. And not just even emotionally, in so many ways, women are killing it in leadership compared to men. Like when you just look at the statistics, it's it's um, it's ridiculous how how us men are just falling short when it comes to leadership. And um, I think I definitely resonate with what Ray said about yeah, women in leadership. They're uh, they're doing a lot of things right right now. Um, and so I think that that vulnerability, that awareness piece is huge. And I think the actual step is. Um, I almost see vulnerability, like working out, like it's once you do grasp it, is that you know you need to do it, and it's it's not an easy way to do it. It's something you just have to start doing and start small. And so, like I think, if you if you want to get in shape and you're 700 pounds, you wouldn't go and try on a marathon the first day. You might go and get on the treadmill for two minutes. Um, and same with vulnerability. If you're not used to being vulnerable at all, you might not talk about that thing that happened when you were five years old that you still never even processed or talked about, but you might talk about, Hey, like sometimes I do feel like an imposter running around with spaghetti in my hair and trying to pull it out to, to make these videos for social media, because I'm like also all these other things at home. And I just threw on a shirt really quickly and I just got done yelling or yelling at my kids because they scribbled all over the walls. Like maybe it's just talking about some of that. And um, for me, that's, that's what I do is I just baby step, baby step, baby step, baby step, baby step. Um, yeah. A lot of baby steps. And I think that's good. I think baby steps is a great way to approach that because, you know, it is, it is tough, um, to be vulnerable. And like I said, I got to a point with yeah. me, myself, I got to a point that I just let it all fly. I was just like, I don't even care anymore uh, because this is just who I am. But mm -hmm. like for most people, I think they need those bite-sized pieces. They need those steps. They need it to feel safe. They need to know that 
when they're putting something out there, it's being received in such a way that it's not going to get thrown back in their face type of thing. And I think that's a fear for a lot of people of what are they going to think or what are they going to think about me or, you know, it's just all these things. And what you, what you realize or what I realized is that there's more people like me that are business owners that's trying to keep their household from, you know, it's like, I, it's, I just make it a joke. It's like, there's things about my household that drive me completely insane. And my love language is humor. So, you know, I just make it a joke. I make it a joke because there's not much I can do it. I can do what I can do, you know, but my house is chaotic. It's just the way that it is. But at the same time, I don't know what I would do if it wasn't because I love my house chaotic to a point, you know? So I think, you know, sometimes we can look at these, like it seems like negative things Like chaos has this very negative connotation, but there's beauty in the chaos. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. And I don't know how much time we have. And so I'm just going to rattle off a couple things. Okay. Um, I talked about humility, listening, and somewhat asking for help. They all kind of go together. But um, a thing that really impressed me or was stuck on my heart is like my coach, one question he would ask me a lot is, how can this be easier? And he would ask, do you want to have to learn all these lessons the hard way? When you know Maria, have you ever reached out to her to ask, hey, what's like one of the bigger lessons you learned the hard way and just find out her answer? The truth is I haven't asked you that yet. Um, but when there's so many people around you. You have plenty of time. <laughs> yeah, I've done lots of say right now, like I'm, I'm happy to hear, but it's, um, it's, it's that like, do you want to have to learn all the lessons the hard way? And if you do, how much time is that going to, how long is it going to take your journey um, if, if you do that? And so um, that was one of the biggest things that my coach has impressed on me is like your fear and ego around asking for help is going to cause this journey to take two or three times longer than it needs to unless you learn to conquer it. Ooh, and uh, <laughs> learning that say, like months that. ago. Say it, say it again, Ben. Yeah. Um, your fear around asking for help, not looking manly, wanting to look strong, your fear and ego around asking for help is going to make this journey take two or three times longer than it needs to. And I think that you said manly, and I do think that there's different reasons. So for, for this is my perspective, but for men, it seems like yeah. that's more of a power. Like I'm strong enough. I got this for men. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, cause I'm not a man, but for women, I think it's more, or for me anyway, I think it's more, we're expected to juggle all the things. It's automatically expected that we can with grace, juggle all the things while looking sexy and staying in shape and pursuing our spouse and, you know, having gourmet dinners and the house looking pristine and all these things that society projects upon us, you know, I think, you know, that stands in the way. And for men, you know, I think it's very much that they should have it put together. They should be productive. They should be strong. You know, they should have it all figured out. They're, they're the rock, you know, and I think these stereotypes a lot of times can be much to our detriment. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with that because there, I, I've spoken to plenty of clients that, to be honest with you, have no clue. But they're not willing to admit that they have no clue. 
it, it's just like I used to work in a in a call center, customer service call center, long, long years ago. And the person that was running the call center really had no idea on how to, I guess, diffuse the chaos that was going on. It was one thing that um, to to understand the chaos, but okay, how do we diffuse it? How do we how do we get reps to uh, not pass along calls, things of that nature? And they honestly, that person had no clue. You know, it 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 was the young lady that was his second in command that actually brought the calm to the storm. Completely unexpected. And I found that that works in business and in relationships. Same thing. You know, men are just not willing to take that step back and say, all right, you know what? Maybe they, maybe someone else knows how to do this a little bit better than I do. Maybe I need to step back and listen and learn. Uh, in opposed to just trying to lead and going down the wrong path. What say you, Ben? Um, about men uh, yeah. not being very good at taking a step back. There you um, go. I think I think that it's funny. I had another coach, and we were messaging each other, and she's someone who started out a lot, a lot earlier than I did. Um, and we were talking about her boyfriend. I don't know how this came up. We were talking about men being fixers. And um, one of the things, one of the things that uh, struck me the most is someone told me, and, and please, if, if this, I don't know if there's a statistic somewhere, maybe it was more of a, just a generalization, but he said 80% of the time when people talk, they just want to be heard. 80%? And, um, 80%. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, um, but... I've tried to get closer and closer to 80% of the time, just listening and saying, thank you for sharing. And it sounds like what you're saying is this, am I understanding you correctly? And, and not showing up needing to fix or solve anything. Um, and that's hard. I love solving things. I love fixing problems. It makes me feel so comp competent, confident, uh, good about myself. It feeds my ego account so much. And, um, Another thing that really um, hit me, is I, I heard it was Dean Graziosi. He's like, uh, he's, he's pretty good at sales marketing, a lot of stuff. He hangs out with Tony Robbins. And um, he said something one time that really stood out to me. He said, people will buy from you, not when they understand you, but when they feel understood by you. And like um, listening is, it's an imperative. It doesn't matter if you're a man, doesn't matter if you're a fixer, if you don't learn to listen, like this is sales is listening, um, get better at it. And um, that was, yeah, that was huge. Um, that moment coupled with what my boss had told me, dude, like the last job I was at was very social emotional. It was just mentoring men through trauma and stuff. And he's like 80% of the time, dude, you just gotta listen. And um, yeah, but do I see a lot of men do that? No. Is it easy for me to do it? No. Like I'm consciously even on this, 
even on this call, like I've probably told myself to shut up at least 30 times already on this call. Where I just like supposed I to be talking. want to say good. something. I'm right there yeah. with you. We're we're here to listen to you, yeah. Ben. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so asking for help, yeah, it's huge. And um listening is huge and I think if there's anything else on this. Um, I have a question. Yeah, go for what it. What about offering help? Mm -hmm. How I heard recently mm -hmm. um, when someone when someone needs help. Um, actually, I think we were probably talking specifically about allyship. Um, with some of some of the situations that happened recently, right? And one of the comments that was made was mm -hmm. simply simply help instead of saying what do you need for help because that puts that burden back on them to identify something for you to do. How do you how do you identify that help in order to truly be like you're listening, but do you miss the mark? Is it still received? Like what? What do you do to really, truly help? Yeah. Um, I heard something before that, or I'll just share a quick experience. It's the last nonprofit I worked at. I was very social emotional. We had people from 20-some countries. So language didn't always mean the same thing. It translated the same, but but yeah, uh, people from all over. And so one thing we'd often ask is, is this one of those times you just want me to listen or you want some type of help or support? And um, a lot of times they'd tell you, okay, I just want help or I want help or I want listen. I want, and so that, that clarity was something that we found really helpful. Um, one thing I think about offering support is I wonder if there are ways that it can be collaborative rather than just helping for them. And maybe even something that I would offer, and this is just coming to me right now, is like, hey, listening to that, there are a couple things that are coming to mind for me. There's this, this, and this. Do any of those sound better or worse to you? Or do you have any thoughts on it? Um, and if they say no, then I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going to pick the one then that I think uh, gonna solve the problem best? Or is there any other information I need to know when considering these options and what might be a good fit for me to move forward? Um, and so I'm huge on collaboration. Like collaboration in my opinion is always better than one person. Let's take the word always. Is most of the times better than just one person solving <clears throat> a problem. We're nodding our heads in unison here. For anybody who's just listening and you're not watching, all of us are nodding in unison. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's super important collaboration. It, and I think it goes back to the, what we were talking about earlier, just with perspective, because, you know, I'm coming in with my perspective and, you know, Ben, you're coming in with your perspective and Ray with his perspective and Angela with her perspective. And, you know, it's kind of with the meeting of the minds, you're able to kind of really see things from so many different angles that you're able to get to a deeper, you know, more long lasting solution that way. Yeah. So Coach Ray, do you have any other questions for, for Ben? 
Well, well, listen, Ben, I could sit and talk to you for about another three hours, man. But um, I, I thank you for, for being here. You shed a lot of light on uh, – I'm sure you've helped a lot of people today with what you've talked about. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I'm going to offer one last thing. Um, and it's because I keep realizing how important this is just in deeper and deeper layers. And it's just showing up from a place of service. And um, if that is your heart and business, it will eventually work out, is my belief. Like if you show up from a place of service and you're open to feedback, um, this goes with being open to asking for help. If you're open to feedback, you, you'll get there. People will tell you what they want or what they don't want. Great. That's great advice. And I, I think that for a lot of people asking for help is hard. That was always one of my biggest struggles, you know, is asking for help. But I, I think it's super important to be able to do that because I heard, I heard somebody say one time that, and I can't remember the exact wording, but that it was almost selfish of us to not ask for help and give somebody else the chance to be that helper. That In my talk, be, Maria. Yeah. Do what? Was your oh, maybe that's where I heard it. Okay. Angela said it. Okay. Cause I was like, I heard somebody, I don't know who somebody said it. Right. So it, it impressed upon me. I just didn't remember who said it. My bad, but it did. It impressed upon me. Cause I was that that's, you know, that's a struggle of mine. I am a helper. I'll be the first one. I can help you. I can do that. I, because I'm a helper, you know, but I had such a problem asking other people for help, or even if they asked me, I'd be like, that's all right. I got it. I got it. And it was more because I think it goes back to just kind of a trust and vulnerability issue of being vulnerable enough that I'm trusting them to actually come through on that. Cause that's not been my life experience in a million ways. And, and I think a lot of people that have been, you know, through, through life pretty much, you know, we all have these traumas that go on, you know, and, you know, we develop these kind of fail safes in our own life that really we think are protecting us, but in the long run, they're, they're just harming us, you know? So I think, you know, being able, part of being able to be vulnerable is breaking down those barriers and helping, but at the same time, allowing other people to help. So it, it I know with what you were saying earlier, what are, what would be some ways to maybe, would those be the same steps you would tell somebody if they were you know, trying to be vulnerable, vulnerable enough to ask for help? Would it be the same steps you think? Or, um, I think with asking for help, I think with asking for help, um, the thing that I think about is who do you feel most comfortable asking for help from? And can you start there? And is there someone in your life like a boss who maybe you see as it's more of their job or their role or there's a little more natural uh, dire willingness to go ask for help from them? Because for some people, like if I was just to tell some men, hey, go ask your wife for help right now, and they're not good at asking for help, that might be like the hardest thing in the world for them. Um, and so I think I think what I would do is is have people start practicing the muscle. I think a lot of things in life are just practicing the muscle and just getting momentum and getting small wins and starting where you can get a win. Like I started coaching someone two days ago and I said, dude, do this for two minutes a day. And they're like, that's nothing. And I'm like, yes, but you're just developing the muscle. We can build up 
but you just have to learn to trust yourself. If you can show up for yourself every day this week for 10, next week we can five, next week we can do 10, next week we can do 20, but you got to build the muscle. And so I think the same with asking for help is where's a small area that I can get somebody to ask for help um, or someone that they feel more comfortable with asking for help. That's great advice. There's a lot of research because Angela is the research nerd, right? Um, that shows that um, people don't like to say no when you ask for help. And if they have to say no for whatever reason, right? I'm not available at this moment. If you ask them the second time, they're 95% more likely to say yes. So Maria, I don't like to ask for help, I admit, right? I'd rather be self-sufficient. But, um, and then if someone says no, I feel completely rejected, right? I opened myself up and then they said no, and there you go. But the science shows that we need to ask a second time and actually give them that opportunity to say yes. And it, it's a pretty fascinating psychology that I admit I don't understand. I'm an engineer first and I just learn through research and thankfully other people ask good questions so I can benefit from it. But um, understanding, I think that a no also leads to a yes is worth it. My kid says, mom, 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 until I eventually say yes, right? Like kids get it. Why don't we get it as adults? If you really want it, you got to go after it. And somehow the kids figure it out. Can I have pizza? Can I have pizza? Can I have pizza? Can I have pizza? No. Eventually, yes. Maybe it's yes on Friday, but eventually he's going to get his pizza. Why don't we do that? Why aren't we that open? Why aren't we that passionate about what we're asking for? I think there's a lot to be remembered. I think we maybe we knew when we forgot. What if we I think, I think maybe it's fear. Yeah. I think sometimes we are actually afraid of the yes. Mm. Yes. It's a good one. Talk about that, Ray. Well, yeah, that'll preach. <laughs> Okay. Um, as an example, I used to work with kids that were justice involved, um, 18 and 25, kids, kids just coming home from prison. And they didn't understand the concept of writing a resume, sitting through an interview, all, all of that stuff that we take for granted. The one thing those kids were afraid of, believe it or not, and they were emboldened to do anything and everything else, but actually having them sit and learn a skill and for someone to tell them they've succeeded in getting a job or succeeded in writing, you know, doing well in writing a resume, it was the, the one thing that they didn't, they, they never expected. You and all of a sudden, yeah, the, the world opened up to them. You are and worried. I think, yeah, so you're right, exactly. So I think the same thing trans transfers in business because nine times out of 10, people don't know how to go through the, the burrow of the tunnel. You're going to actually go through so many no's in business before you get to that one yes. But that one yes propels you. You know, it, it propels you for that next step. And a lot of people don't just don't understand it, particularly as new entrepreneurs 
going into going into whatever space, whatever niche that they're that 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 they're entering. They don't. They just don't understand that you are going. You may hit five hundred no's before you get to that one yes, but that one yes will change your entire business. Yeah, and I I wonder if. Uh... I wonder if that yes invalidates the story that we've been holding on to most of our lives about who we really are. It's um, it's like because I'm I'm dealing with that right now. Like as a coach, like my first year, I made more money coaching than I did any other job ever. And I was like, as a as a first year person, I'm not supposed to be making money. Whatever. I launched group program, more money. Launch another group, more like. But it's that it's in seeing the yes happen, I'm forced to confront that I'm not a failure, I'm not a loser, I'm not all these other things. I've just been choosing to play the game of life small. I've just been choosing to not go after what I want. I've just been choosing to not take responsibility or ownership for my actions in the past. And so it's like each yes is scary because it shows me how much of my past has just been me choosing negative things. Or at least that's my experience right now. No, I think you hit the nail on the head. Really valid. Look at us all getting heavy. Yeah, we're all like, yeah, we've been there. (laughs) (laughs) We've been there. Yeah, and it is. It it's a it's a rough thing. I mean, it it's it's it seems hard, but it's easier sometimes to hide behind that. Well, I can't because, you know, well, I can't do this because I have seven kids. Well, I do. I can't do this because I have a special needs child. Well, I can't do. And I mean, it, you know, there, there are differences in things, but, you know, I think much to your point, you know, we tend to hide behind those because we are of afraid of not having that as an excuse is, you know, especially once we do it and succeed at it, you know, you do it, you make good money and you're like, well, crap, now I have to keep doing it because if not, <laughs> I had the same life, you know, at that moment. So if, if I don't succeed from now on, I don't have that same excuse that I've been hiding behind this entire time. So yeah, that's painful for me and for a lot of people out there, you know, I'm sure because it's, it's so relevant. Yeah. We're all like, Oh, I know. Right. Yeah. I'm going to go one layer deeper. Cause this is like the, the, the real psychology behind it is who was the first person that told us we couldn't do that thing. Likely ourselves, our mom or our dad. And we as kids didn't want to make them bad or wrong. We never did because we love them. And even now at 33, I still don't want to make my parents bad or wrong. And to do that sometimes is to acknowledge all those times. Maybe they said you're not smart enough, good enough, whatever it is as a person, or you can't do this thing, or you can only do this thing as this is to almost negate some of the validity of our parents and what they taught us and how they raised us. And that's, we learn it as little kids and we just perpetuate it through our adulthood. That's a good point. Super good point. Remember how to laugh. Remember how to keep asking with persistence. Yeah. Absolutely. Forget all that stuff where they said no. Is that what I learned? Is that what I learned today, Ben? Something like that. 
I've yeah. le learned lots of things. And for everybody that's been listening and will listen to the replay even, then I want you to go ahead and um, share with people where they can kind of follow you, get in touch with you and all of that. Sure. Um, so my name is Ben Steinbacher. I think it shows up there. And uh, okay. Facebook, it's the same, spelled the same way. Instagram, it's Ben underscore Steinbacher underscore and underscores that little sideways dash that's like on the ground. Um, yeah. And so it's funny when I try to look up Ben Steinbacher, every single combination of Ben dot Ben dash Steinbacher was taken. And uh, yeah, that's funny. except for that one. You got it. That one's yours. So, yeah, all right. Well, me. it's been, it's been amazing having you on and I know I've learned a lot and I'm sure everybody else can say thing. So, um, Thank been you amazing. For your time. absolutely. Thank and for everybody yeah. that, yeah, definitely. For everybody that's listening, you can, um, tune in for business acceleration playbook every Tuesday at 1 PM Eastern standard time to learn tons of things to help propel your business um, journey in the right direction. So until next week, Maria, Ray, Angela, and our guest Ben says um, to talk for now. See you guys. Go, I got you, Ray. I already forgot how to do it. There we go. Yeah. Hold on. Oh. Yeah. Wait. This way. We're never going to get there it. There we go. There we go. go. Yes. It's an active progression. We'll get better. I know. I'm working on it. I can go right through this direction now. There we go. It's weird. Left hand.